Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. remain seated if you'd like. It's a very familiar passage of scripture and um, for uh, several months I have just felt in, in prayer and just to thank the Lord. There's just been a spirit of thanksgiving in my prayer about the ability that God has given all of us to become. That we're not locked in where we are but God gives us the ability to grow and to change and to and uh, I'm thankful for that. The book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it's a fairly familiar passage of scripture to many. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The power that God has given us in, by his by the infilling of his spirit he has not just given us the Holy Ghost so that we can have a date or a time that we can mark on our calendar and say well this is my spiritual birthday but God has empowered us with his spirit amen and so tonight I want to talk about empowered for a mission and I believe that each and every person in the kingdom of God young and old alike is empowered for a mission and uh, so if you will, uh, let's, just kind of, let's just kind of buckle in. Don't sit back and relax. Well, let's just buckle in and let's let the Lord just take us on a journey, shall we? If we turn to the book of Acts chapter 27, it is a chapter filled um, with a lot of drama. Uh, and Acts 27 tells in vivid detail the apostle Paul on a voyage uh, that he is making on a ship and uh, they had sailed to several ports that were about to set sail again. And Paul, who was merely a prisoner aboard this ship, so he certainly wasn't an influential voice in the crowd. He was a prisoner on the ship. He began to cry out and warn them that he did not feel good about the voyage. He didn't feel good about leaving. Something was just uh, crossed in his spirit about that. Nevertheless, the centurion demanded that they sail on and uh, that seems fairly reasonable in light of the fact that Paul was merely a prisoner. But it wasn't too long until the waves were battering the ship and the crew struggled to keep the, the ship intact. And frantically, they did everything within their power to lighten the load of the ship. They threw valuable cargo overboard. Uh, they were just trying to save life and limb. After three days, they began to toss overboard even more important and more valuable things because this was getting very, very serious. The Bible says in the 20th verse of chapter 27, it's a pretty clear snapshot because the scripture says all hope that we should be saved was taken away. That's a pretty dismal painting. 
And, and, uh, but then in the midst of all of this chaos, the, the prisoner that raised his hand before they left the port and said, I don't feel good about this, he stands up with one more message and this message was just as confusing as the message that he had before. And he said, be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. And so in the midst of all of this chaos, he says everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. He said, there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. There's an angel that has stood by me tonight. So Paul was not just any prisoner and certainly he was not just merely a mortal man. These people now were becoming eminently aware of the fact that this man, there's something different about him. He was a spirit-filled man. This man was on a divine commission of God and so we know that the Lord had his hand upon him. And so I believe that when we are filled with the spirit of God, that we belong to him. I know sometimes we have made comments or you've maybe heard them or said them yourself about certain perils or problems in our lives that we have come to the realization that we say, Lord, this is not my problem, but this is your problem. Amen, because we realize that we are his. Paul had a divine purpose upon his life. God, this was not, he was not just sailing for sailing's sake, but God had him on a journey. He was bound for a specific place and God was going to carry him there. And so I believe that when we determine to serve the Lord, there is no force on earth that can stop us accomplishing the will of God, whatever it is that God has called us to do. We see it played out again and again and again in scripture But not only in scripture, we see it played out again and again in history where it just seems like that the will of God was sure to be circumvented in someone's life. But what the enemy failed to understand was that this individual man or woman was filled with the spirit of God and had been divinely commissioned for that moment. God has never filled anybody with his spirit and then just not give them a purpose. I believe that we have all a purpose in the kingdom of God. We're not all gonna be missionaries, we're not all gonna be this or gonna be that, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a very significant purpose within the kingdom of God. The apostle John made this promise in John 1 and 12. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. So we've been empowered to become sons and daughters of God. We are not just a part of a social club. Amen. We're not just a part of of a social gathering, but we are a part of the family of God. We've been empowered. And because of that, the Lord desires for each of us to become something special or something significant in the kingdom of God. I think the plan is already in place and God's spirit has already empowered us to do what it is he's called us to do. I think that we are immensely important and valuable to God. I really believe that. That's why the devil worked so hard to try to tear us down. Amen, our self-esteem and our self-worth, especially when it comes to spiritual matters because he understands the value of you in the kingdom of God. 
God's primary plan, I believe, in filling us with his spirit is for us to be witnesses. That was our text tonight. Amen. That is God's primary plan, and that is for the church to be a witness. Before the spirit ever fell on the 120 on the day of Pentecost, Jesus highlighted he highlighted the primary purpose of the spirit baptism and ye shall be witnesses. Now when you just keep your index finger on the pulse of the New Testament church as it makes its way through the book of Acts, we understand clearly that the church wasn't just called to be a witness, but the New Testament church was a witness. And even at times when it seems like they were scattered, they were scattered, there is no doubt about that, but they were not destroyed. They were scattered and the gospel just began to spread even more against even in, in the times and the seasons of persecution. Why? Because God had called the church to be a witness. It's already it's readily seen in the New Testament. Being a witness often requires an unwavering boldness, even in the face of opposition, that we shall be a witness. I think the greatest and perhaps uh, the most effective New Testament witness were men and women who faced seemingly unsurmountable odds. They faced painful persecution, but they stood. Amen. They withstood those times and those seasons and they stood strong and they never allowed their voices to be muted against the winds of, of, of adversity. Amen. Just like the first century, I believe the 21st century church is going to require the empowering of the Spirit of God. I say this so often. And I say it often on purpose. I'm very thankful. I thank the Lord for it on a very, very regular basis. I'm thankful for the gifted people that we have in our church. I am so very humbled by the abilities and the talent, the strengths that God has given us as a church. I'm thankful for people that have talent and abilities and they have the ability to think on their feet I'm thankful for that but I'm going to tell you that we just cannot plan or program people out of hell amen we can't plan or program or organize or function or administer we cannot do that to break the sin that is in their life the Bible said it is the anointing that destroys the yoke amen we've got to have the anointing of God the power of God and so I say, Lord, baptize our brains. That is for sure. Anoint our hands and our talent and our gift and our ability. But help us to realize that before we ever step up to the plate, it's not gonna be me that accomplishes anything today. It will not be me that does anything. It won't be these hands, these lips, this mind, but it'll be the hand of God, the spirit of God, the anointing of God. God has empowered us for a mission. Amen. It is God's spirit that comforts us. It is God's spirit that, that guides us and holds us even in times of conflict. Amen. When we realize that we are, we are determined members of the body of Christ. I am here. I am a part of this. Amen. When we understand that, we can fully, more fully allow the spirit then to guide us. I believe that purpose, purpose is such an integral part of the mindset of any healthy person. Amen. What is our purpose? What is our purpose? Because without purpose, 
the will to apply ourselves and the will to endure challenges is somehow vaporized if we don't understand that we have a purpose. And so it's vital to the existence, certainly vital to the spiritual health of an, of an individual to understand our purpose. Purpose is what drives a, a person out of bed every day. Purpose is what keeps a parent committed to raising disciplined children. Purpose is what compels a husband and a wife to communicate through their differences. Amen. There is a purpose here. Anybody can quit. Anybody can stop. Anybody can throw in the towel. But when we get our hands and our mind and our heart around the purpose of God. I don't want to embarrass anybody tonight, but I can tell you, amen, there have been times that for most everybody in this room, if not everybody in this room, it would have been easier to stop than to keep going. It would have been easier to just throw your hands up, but something got a hold of us. There was a purpose driven down deep in our heart, and we stood up one more time when we did not think we had the ability because we understood our purpose the greater the purpose the greater the purpose I believe the more driven and the more sacrificial a person will become when they understand their purpose people that have a real grasp of their purpose never ask how long or how much that's right how long will this take what am I, what am I how, what, what's the commitment here I need a ceiling I need a cap I need an outdate when we're committed to the purpose, it's just whatever it takes. We're just going to have to see this through. No, no matter how long, we're going to have to take up. We're going to have to take up the cross, so to speak. And so as children of God, I believe that it is so vital for us to embrace the fact that God has a divine purpose for our lives. I don't think that we're saved with the intention of just occupying till he comes. I don't think that we're just here to take up space, in other words, till he comes. But I believe that God has an ordained purpose for each and every one of us. There's a work for which we were created. And I think that in striving to find and striving to achieve that purpose, we have to understand the difference between the general will of God and the specific will of God for our lives. I think that there, that there are some the general will of God that touches all of our life. And then there is a specific will of God that is individual to each and every one of us. Amen. Many times spirit-filled people are, uh, have lived their lives spiritually frustrated, spiritually frustrated because they're always searching and seeking for God's will of their own life, always trying to figure out the will of God for their life. And what they feel, fail to understand is that God has a general will. And that general will, if I'm just using this terminology, that general will of God is found all throughout the Holy Scripture. You can find the general will of God for all of us. It's a shoe that truly fits all. For instance, Thessalonians says in 4 and 3, 1 Thessalonians, says that the will of God is that we should abstain from fornication. Now, that, that's a shoe for everybody. That's a garment for everybody. That is the general will of God, just one general will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 says the will of God is to give thanks in everything. 
There's a general will of God that we would be a thankful, uh, that we would be thankful as individuals. First Peter 2 and 15 says the will of God is doing good that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That is the general will, another general will of God for each and every one of us. God's word is, is, is full of his will, his will for young, his will for the old, his will for the men, his will for the women. It just fits all of us. It, it truly is, I've been trying not to say this, but it truly is one size fits all. It really, really is. So often children of God are so hungry to find and fulfill the specific will of God in their lives that they fail to apply the general will of God to their life. Just hang in here with me for a moment. Sometimes we're in such pursuit of the specific will of God until we ignore the general will of God. In a family, I believe that every child has his or her own giftings and abilities. And so... One child may be very free-spirited and creative and another child may be really reserved and organized. And so it is a parent's job to recognize and to validate each child's individual gifting. Amen. So we have to raise every child according to their gifting and, 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 and according to what they are. More importantly, Every parent must train their child to recognize that there are some foundational life traits. There are just some things that are just so fundamental. This is the foundation upon which we're going to build on. Things that are necessary for success, regardless of what your abilities may or may not be, there are some fundamental things that we have got to teach every child. We've got to teach children principles like character and honesty and responsibility and kindness, telling the truth, on and on and on. Those are just fundamental. It doesn't matter how gifted they are in this area or how maybe not gifted they may be, but we have got to teach them these fundamental things. These principles have got to be embraced or else, no matter how gifted they are, if they do not have these fundamental things, all of that is going to run, agra run aground. Amen. No matter what their specific gifts no matter what their specific calling or talents may be, it will never fully develop if they don't have integrity, if they, does that make sense? If they don't have the ability to function in life on a very rudimentary level. In like fashion, the Spirit of God, I believe, must first develop some general fruit in our lives. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control, faith, patience, goodness, Amen, all of that, that's the will of God. That's the will of God for all of our lives. But sometimes, some people are more concerned about trying to find the gifts of the Spirit than they are the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and you can get the gifts of the Spirit, but if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you're gonna be in trouble because we need the fruit of the Spirit. Because if we, don't, if we don't submit ourselves to the fruit of the Spirit, then any attempt to fulfill the specific will of God in our life is gonna be frustrating, it's gonna be fruitless. For instance, God's specific will may be for an individual to be a pastor. 
But if that, indiv if that individual doesn't obey the general will of God in areas like being patient, being kind, being long-suffering, amen, they're, they're gonna struggle to fulfill the specific will of God. <clears throat> Not long ago, uh, I heard someone say nothing to do with us, church, nothing here, no one here, you don't even know them. And you're gonna kind of be thankful when I fill in the rest of this. They just kind of stood up on a pedestal, so to speak, and boasted that if I think it, I say it. Well, that's kind of foolish. Not to say dangerous. And very immature. And so you can't just say something because you thought it. We all have thoughts. The most righteous among us have thoughts. And so you have to learn how to throttle back. Save it for another day. Or maybe there will never be a day. Another person may be gifted as an administrator, but if they don't demonstrate self-control and, and love in stressful situations, then then they're never going to be able to rise to the, to the top in God's specific will because they're going to be so unproductive because of the things that they didn't get in the general will of God. Does that make sense? Amen. Our goal is to prove that what is good and, and acceptable and perfect will of God for our lives. Paul underscored that fact about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifices and having transformed minds. And, and uh, he said we are, we're gonna be able to prove this. We're gonna be able to do that. Amen, we're gonna have to submit ourselves to the Lord to do that. When we strive to bring our minds and our bodies under the rule of the Spirit of God, then we begin to fulfill God's general will for all of us. But we got to start out at the general will of God. Minds and our bodies have to be under the Spirit's rule. Uh, amen. Amen. Minds and bodies that are under that rule, when we submit ourselves, are prepared then to discover and fulfill the specific roles that God has for us. The fruit of the Spirit, I think, is mandatory. Amen. If we are going to fully engage in the gifts of the Spirit, we must get the fruit of the Spirit right. We've all perhaps on some level met people that are naturally or maybe even supernaturally gifted, yet they're spiritually unprepared. I preached a little bit about this on Sunday. He said, I'm gonna give you the land by little and little because you're not, you haven't grown into this yet. It's a shoe you can't fit into. It's a shoe you can't wear, but it doesn't mean you're never gonna fit into it. It doesn't mean that one day you won't, but by little and little, amen. And so there are people that are naturally gifted, perhaps even supernaturally gifted, but they're spiritually unprepared. They're gifted in planning. Maybe they're gifted in organizing, but they're a tyrant that nobody wants to work with because they don't have the fundamental things of the general will of God, down. Am I making any sense at all? <laughs> Amen. You may have someone that's a gifted speaker. Perhaps that's a definite call on their life, but if they lack love that's necessary, then somehow or another they're not gonna be able to speak the truth effectively if they can't 
speak it in love. They may have the ability to speak wonderful orators, the ability to communicate, but if they don't have love, if they don't have the ability to put it on the, you know, most anybody can get low-hanging fruit. Amen, so we gotta put some things on a low-hanging limb. Maybe somebody's used in the gift of tongues, but they don't exercise self-control in knowing whether or not they're being a blessing or a distraction. We have to know Amen, we have to understand those fundamental things first, the gifts of the Spirit or the specific will of God. Without the fruit of the Spirit, the general will of God are usually ineffective and do not bring glory to God in the end and they only bring glory to self. And I just wanna say one more time for the good times that we are not in this to bring glory to ourselves. I'm gonna tell you tonight, there, no one in leadership, I don't think, no one in leadership has been exempted from this because God just has the ability to walk us all down the same path from time to time. But I'm gonna tell you that I have stood behind this very pulpit, this very pulpit, probably holding this very microphone, and the Lord just said, I'm gonna show you something. And he just kind of steps over. And you've never been more lonely than when God just lets you teach the Bible lesson all by yourself. Lets you teach the Sunday school class all by yourself. Or lets you try to pull it all. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? Amen, I need some Sunday school teachers to be honest with you, with me and just say, you know, I've had those Sunday mornings where it just seemed like the Lord walked out when the kids walked in. And we got a chance to feel like what it was gonna be without the Spirit of God, without the anointing of God. And so we understand in those moments of time that we need God desperately. I don't think, I don't think God was messing with Job. I don't think God was playing games. But I think the Lord's, when Job said, I have sought for him and I can't find him, I've sought in front, behind, on each side of me. I think God was just trying to say, Job, let me show you something. Amen, I wanna just reach out and, not want to leave anybody to feel that I'm speaking to specific groups. I believe we've all, whether we have taught a class or done this or that, we've all had those times where we just felt like God just stepped out of our life. He just stepped away from us. And oh, what a lonely existence that is. And it makes us so prayerful and careful to say, God, I cannot do this without you. Amen. Moses said, Lord, I'll do it, but you gotta go with me. Lord, I'll do it, but I need you to go with me. I need you to go with me. Amen. Amen. I believe that God has gifted the members of his body differently in order to fulfill their specific mission and his will. And so God gifts all of us differently. After Paul stated the purpose of sacrifice and transformation was to prove the will of God for our lives, then he said he began to underscore the importance of, of, of humbly utilizing the spiritual giftings that God had placed in our life. I think one of the most important keys is to humbly recognize that we are all a part of one body. I wanna just say that one more time. It is so important that we all understand that we are just one part of an entire body. We're just one part. I'm not suggesting you're not an important part, or that I'm not an important part, but we are just one part. Paul said to the church in Rome, chapter 12 and verse four, 
For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, amen, we have to remember that. There are many members in one body, amen, and the all members don't have the same office. We don't have the same call. We don't do the same thing. How wonderful, how beautiful it is when we work together in harmony. Some of you uh, may have uh, heard the message that Brother Gurley preached this year at because of the times. I didn't get to finish it today, but I want to tell you, there, I got enough of it to get something in my heart there's something powerful that happens when we come together there's something powerful that happens when we blend our voices and so we can't just simply afford to hear something I've got to embrace this I've got to pull it into my heart there are many members in this body we don't all have the same office but we need to do what God has called us to do understanding the diversity I think of spiritual gifts assist us in discovering the greater mission of the kingdom of God. It's like parts of a natural body. The members of the body of Christ, unique, diverse, they're all vital. I mean, it all is important. <clears throat> what would the body of Christ be without those that are gifted in administration? Just think about that. Where would we be if we didn't have people that were gifted in the ability to administrate things? How dysfunctional would it be without those that are gifted and, 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 and are eager to just simply serve? Because many times after, after uh, the person, whoever's been holding the mic, after that event is over and everything's been put away, there are many times people that are called on to serve. And so where would we be without those that are just going to serve? Without pastoral teaching and without teaching gifts, the body would not have the ability to function because we would starve. Amen. Amen. Just yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, I was uh, in a store and I was purchasing a few things. All of a sudden, I just I got just lightheaded, and uh, I was standing there and, and I just got. My mother used to call them the weak trembles, and uh, and, and I, I just was trying to figure out what's going on. I didn't feel like something really out of sorts were ha was happening, but I was real lightheaded. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, it's about four or five o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't eaten one bite. And so I did something about that. I bought a bag of Doritos. <laughs> it, was just, it just happened to be right there. It was an impulse buy. So before I faint, I will go out with this. I was faithful to you, Brother Allen. I was faithful to you. Amen. And so, in like fashion, the body, if we are not fed, if there's not preaching, if there's not teaching, we're going to be thinking, what is wrong? What is wrong? And we're going to realize, hey, I'm malnourished. I've got to get something in me. I've got to get something in me. Thank God for people that are gifted in areas like mercy and encouragement. Do you know what an important thing that is? You do if you've needed mercy. Amen. You do if you've needed encouragement and somebody come along beside you and they, they extended a hand of mercy. They extended a word of encouragement. Where would the church be without those voices that just kind of keep us, uh, uh, they keep us buoyant. They come alongside the hurting and they, they come alongside the discouraged and they lift them up when we understand the diversity of gifts and, and, and the ones that we possess I think it, it's, it's the first step in discovering God's mission for us when we understand the importance of all this you see most of us are naturally gifted in certain areas 
but we're not gifted in multiple areas. We have a few areas where we're gifted. And so we have to understand that we can't do all things. And so what I can't do, I've got to bring somebody along beside me that can. And so together we make the whole. You may be gifted artistically, but, you, but when you utilize that gift, it's, it's generally a rewarding experience. You may be gifted mechanically or in a certain trade. There's a certain sense of satisfaction when you, when you see the results of your labor, when you have fixed something that was broken or, or you have built something that didn't even exist before yesterday or a few moments ago. I mean, in any case, any natural gifting, applying that gift requires time, it requires energy. It requires sacrifice. The result, however, is what keeps us motivated. It's the end result. It's what we're reaching for. Amen. That's why we keep preaching because it's like the rock, the Bible says it's like a hammer on a rock. Amen. It's just going to chip away, chip away, and chip away. And so that's what keeps you going. Engaging in our spiritual gifts will empower us to fulfill our mission despite the opposition. Amen, just as with natural gifts, when we use our spiritual gifts, there are generally sacrifices and there are generally challenges. Amen, but we're more apt to keep pressing on when we understand the purpose. <laughs> we're reaching for a desired end. We know the end result's gonna be worth it. Hebrews 12 and two tells us that Jesus joyfully, it doesn't even make sense, endured the cross. Why? because he understood the end. It wasn't the cross. It was what the cross was gonna bring. Amen, for one reason and one reason only. He knew the mission. He understood what he was called to do. In Philippians, uh, in Philippians 2 and 17, Paul said, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on sacrifice and of service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. How could you say that, Paul? because I understand the mission. If I am spent, I understand the mission. Paul wrote this, incidentally, from a prison cell. And he said, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all because he understood his mission, his mission. He didn't say this because he was demented. He didn't say this because he was twisted. He said this because he understood his purpose. And so when you find your gifting and, and, and God reveals his perfect will, even, even in difficult times, you'll be able to persevere, persevere because you understand the purpose. I want to ask our musicians to come, and I'll close with this story. He was a rugged military man who came from a simple upbringing. He was never good with words. Generally, he struggled to articulate his thoughts and feelings. Despite his gruff demeanor and sometimes quick temper, when he was filled with the Spirit, God transformed this man's life. He and his wife fell in love with God and they fell in love with their local church. And they had a heart to serve and serve they did. They cleaned the church. They unlocked the, the doors of the church before every service. He worked his, himself into an indispensable right-hand man 
He was just there. He so admired the pastor and, and, and wanted to emulate him and follow in his ministerial footsteps. So this man began to aspire to the ministry of preaching. The passion was there. The desire was evident. But the results were less than desirable. His gruff nature was still present. His words didn't effectively communicate his heart. He had it here, but he just, he just couldn't get it out here. Quite simply, at the end of the day, preaching was just not his gift. So after several years of trying to achieve any measure of success as a pulpit minister, he accepted that this is just not my gift. And from that point on, he just continued to serve, which is admirable. He would show up early. He would stay late. He would do whatever he could with all of his heart. It was several years later, after a series of lessons on the gift of the Spirit that his pastor had been teaching, he came to him one night in tears, struggling to adequately convey the joy in his heart he began to share he said for years he struggled with low spiritual self esteem he had seen so many other people using the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation others had become pastors in his peer group and teachers per their gifts and and then here he was there were those that always seemed to have a word of knowledge or the ability to discern spirits he was very thankful that the gift of the Spirit was in operation of the church, but according to him, he said, I just struggle with the fact that I feel so ungifted. This was until he heard his pastor teach a lesson on the gifts, the gift of helps. The gift of helps. It was right then and there that a light came on, a weight lifted. You see, for decades he had been mightily used of God in this gift. Such a tremendous blessing to his local pastor and local church. Faithfully serving in the background, he had joyfully done what few others were willing to do. It was the work of God or that God had ordained him to do before he was ever born again of the Spirit. But he got his eyes on others. Amen. And it's so easy to get your eyes on others and see what they're doing and miss the journey that God is wanting to put us on. We have to submit ourselves as we stand together. We have to submit ourselves to the general will of God. These are clearly outlined in the Word. Clearly outlined. We submit ourselves to the general will of God. We cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. We work so diligently on that. And as we do, God will begin open doors for us to walk through and lead us, I think, truly lead us to His specific will in our lives. But the most dangerous thing that could ever happen is for us to arrive at the specific will of God before we have the general will of God at work in our life. Amen. Amen. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for the truth of your word.
Your word is unyielding and unbending. Your word, God, is without any compromise, and I thank you for that. Because we don't need, Lord, the word to fail us in times like this. We need the word to shape us and mold us. We need the word, God, to be an anvil that will help create the perfect radius in our life. We need your word, God, to be that steadfast, unmovable foundation in our lives. I pray that your word will strengthen us and speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.